You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We're The Big Show live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Joining us on the line right now, the host of MLB NHL Network and the Cinephile Podcast. Can you turn this off, please? Uh, we said good morning to Adnan Verk. Adnan, how are you? George, it's a hell of an introduction. That that's a tough song, awfully grating. <laughs> I couldn't imagine that in the bowels of hell. Yeah, but I will. But again, like according to uh, according yeah. to the priest Gerald uh, Johnson, "Umbrella" by Rihanna and Bobby McFerrin's "Don't Worry, Be Happy" were used as instruments of torture, which to me is a bit of a surprise. <laughs> if they played Rebecca Black's "Friday" over and over again, that I understand. So, Adnan, right away, I have to ask you off the hop, what song would be your personal H-E double hockey sticks for the rest of eternity? It's got to be uh, Hinder, Lips of an Angel. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what a pick. Like, you, like, so you know it's really good yeah. to hear your Okay, voice. all right, all right. Settle down, everybody. Man, Sorry, so I, rowdy I had Friday. an opportunity to do my 90s voice. Okay. Um, I like how you didn't hesitate on that, Adnan. Yeah, I'd also submit Creed, arms wide open. <laughs> Mine was uh, Shut Up and Dance by Walk the Moon. Yeah, I don't hate that song as much as you do. Okay, well, again. I'm like, yeah, but, like I mean, again. if I'm in the bowels of hell, I can yeah. probably take that a few times. <laughs> I can probably take that for a good one, 200 years if you're at Network. <laughs> no problem. Again, music is just like movies. It's very subjective. It's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. And I understand all of that. Um, I want to ask, uh, it's the NHL All-Star break. Um, we're going to hear from Gary Bettman today at his annual State of the Union. Is there anything um, maybe as bland and predictable as Gary Bettman's speech? Like, is he going to come on here and do something shattering? Like, everything's great in Arizona. Like a magic trick? We're making a lot of money. It's not like he's going to come out there and go, you know what? I need to tweak the hard cap here. It's really stifling player movement and excitement around the league. The rink boards are so far a work in progress. He's not going to say any of that. He's going to say everything's hunky-dory. And it's and it's the one address from a commissioner which I expect the least from year in, year out, Adnan. Yeah, I think in general, George, you're not going to get much from these. I mean, it's it's essentially almost like a token invite to the media to say, okay, have at it, but you're really not going to have anything that I'm going to give you. Like, even as you said, even if there are issues, the commissioner is not going to be the one to divulge and kind of get into it. No matter what, it's, it's about putting a positive face on things and, hey, look at the sun, enjoy the beach, and everything's good. And, and I think in many ways, the NHL has had a great season. I mean, the fact that scoring is up is a good thing. The fact that Ovechkin is, uh, you know, 82 goals away from meeting Gretzky's record is notable. Uh, or uh, maybe it's 92 goals. I can't remember now, but 82 goals, I think it is. Um, you know, the fact you've had some genuine surprises, how good the Devils have been, the fact they're second in their division, Jack Hughes. Um, so, you know, I think that that's kind of focus Gary's going to try to do is say, look at the positive things, particularly on the ice. You guys want goals, we got goals. You want Ovechkin, you want stars, we're good there. And you want young stars, hey, look at Jack Hughes, Tage Thompson, et cetera. What I think is interesting is somebody asked him, I'm sure somebody will, I'm not sure what Gary will say, is the fact that the ratings are down 22% mm. on TNT and ESPN. Now, I looked at a couple of reasons, because you know ESPN is going to have their reasoning right away. And I guess they said, well, a bunch of the games were on up against Monday Night Football or something. I said, well, that doesn't make sense. Maybe the Turner game's okay. But they said the matchups weren't you know, featuring original six teams and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, when I hear 22% ratings down, 
That, to me, is concerning, especially when one of the most popular teams in America is the Boston Bruins, and they've been tremendous. So I don't know if it's a matter of TNT not scheduling well enough or ESPN's games, but that's, that's the one thing to me. If I, if I had one question to lob at the commissioner about something that could be critical, I'd say, hey, why well, think the ratings are down by like 22%. That, that seems alarming to me. Does Gary and the league just kind of have to look in the mirror and just admit hockey's just a regional sport in the United States, much like baseball's turning into Adnan? Yeah, that may be kind of part of it. Like, you know, part of it, too, is this. I talked to a friend of mine. He's, you know, the American networks just don't want the Canadian teams to do well. It just doesn't rate. And, like, a good example is this past Wednesday. There was only two games on. And I thought for sure, oh, they'll have the Boston-Toronto game. Like, that's, that's two top five teams in hockey. And it said it was the other game, which I don't even know what it was now. Carolina-Buffalo. Exactly. Carolina, you know what? Carolina, obviously, they've had a tremendous season. Okay. And the Sabres always a pretty good market. But I'm like, to me, that's a no-brainer that's Boston-Toronto. So I think it's one of those that you go, hey, the, the league is always going to want to have original six American teams do well. So they've got to hope that Boston, New York, Chicago, Philly, Detroit, those teams are doing well. And obviously, the Flyers have not, the Blackhawks have not, so that hurts them a little bit. But you're right. Ultimately, you know, you don't want to have, I think, if you're TNT or ESPN in the league, teams that are successful in non-traditional markets overwhelmingly. Meaning, I, I think it's great the Lightning are good, and if the Kings won a couple more cups as they did in the past, that's fine. But if you ask the league, they would rather have the Rangers be dominant or the Flyers or the Blackhawks, the Bruins. Because again, to your point, if it's a regionalized sport, those regions just care more. Like, obviously, if your team wins the Stanley Cup, you'll see an uprise in ticket sales, attendance, etc., but you're not going to get the robust TV numbers the way you would for teams in the Northeast or particularly in the Midwest. So that's just – hockey's just accepted that. They just take the number they can and just go from there. Adnan, uh, it is the Pro Bowl this weekend. It is the All-Star festivities as well. Uh, of the four major sports, what is your favorite All-Star competition? And I know the NFL's changed theirs this, this year. And which one is the biggest waste of time? Well, it's obviously the NFL is the worst. We've all known that. I mean, the Pro Bowl is just... You didn't like the dodgeball yesterday? That didn't do it for you? No, jeez. I I don't care how they try to tinker. I don't care what they try. It's it's an abomination. It's uh, it's up there with shut up and dance as far as the worst abominations. (laughs) You just want to get humanity. Thank you. Nobody wants wants to see this, right? Like, it's it's such football. And and the guys don't want to be there anyways, right? Like, hey, just give me the Pro Bowl number. Like, I'll take the all-star knot, so to speak, but let me just not have to show up. And, you know, by virtue of the fact they try to change it so much shows you that they realize it has never worked. And yet, amazingly, again, speaking of TV numbers, you'll see like 7 million people watch the Pro Bowl. And I say, God, people got to get a life. How yeah. do this make people watch? watching this nonsense? But football's the worst one. And to me, baseball's the best one. Um, I yeah. like the home run derby. It's a little long. I do think, you know, hey, like, before mm. the past, you go like three hours, you'll get up to this. But once they got the, the times in there and, and – I like to kind of tighten it up a little bit. You got a more efficient timing with the home run derby. Still pretty cool to see, like, you know, Albert Pujols drill a bunch of home runs at 42. And then the actual All-Star game itself, I think, is pretty good. Like, I think, again, it's because it feels the most like an actual baseball game, right? Like a basketball game is 155 to 154. You go, this is ridiculous. Hockey's going to be 11 to 9. Football, nobody's trying. At least baseball, the All-Star game, it's going to be a 4-3 final. Like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> guys actually struck out and guys actually made plays they were supposed to make and nobody got hurt. It was fine. So by virtue of the fact it feels most like the sport, I go with baseball. But hockey, I, I, don't, I don't generally enjoy the game. I doubt how much I'll watch on Saturday. But the skills competitions are okay. Like, I don't mind the accuracy challenge, fastest skater. Like, as a kid, you're like, oh, man, 
look at how fast Scott Edemeyer is. You know, I mean, like, it was always cool to see Ray Bork on an accuracy challenge or like Al McKinnis' slap shot. Mm. I'm curious about the splash shot this year. They're, they're incorporating a dunk tank, if I'm not mistaken, yep. into the competition. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes tonight. Uh, do you buy the age-old take by one Donald S. Cherry that the reason why Ray Bork <laughs> shot in Nagano in the Olympics is because he was great at hitting targets at the All-Star game? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that that was Jerry's yeah. take. I'm going, to go, I'm going to go ahead and say no. I think that yeah. Ray Bork was excellent no matter what. I don't think it was because the accuracy competition took him to a higher level. Now, you mentioned the MLB All-Star Game, but what about when the All-Star Game decided who got home field advantage at the World Series? That was good, right? Yeah, I wasn't crazy about that. I mean, yeah. I, I, again, they were trying to... It's, it's, they were trying to incentivize it like I, I get it right they're sitting in a room going like how do we make this more meaningful than what it actually is which is a meaningless exhibition what can we do oh we'll make it determine a home field and then you get the tagline right this time it counts it just means more that kind of stuff but then it feels silly like really like an exhibition game is deciding what could be a pivotal game seven in a world series so huh. again a for effort but i don't like it that's where you play 162 you can determine who is the best team uh, Adnan Verk, host MLB NHL Network and the Cinephile Podcast, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, um, the fan. Adnan, wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Tom Brady's retirement, but I want to kind of take a different spin on things. How do you think his broadcasting career is going to go? Uh, before he jumped on, uh, we kind of talked about Tony Romo, and he's becoming a very polarizing Figure everyone was in love with Tony Romo in 2017 where he burst on the scene and he was calling plays before they actually happened. And we were all in awe of Tony Romo. And now he's kind of turning into a caricature of himself already this short into his broadcasting career. How do you think Tom Brady is going to do? And can he avoid kind of turning into that Tony Romo kind of broadcaster? Well, first off on Tony, I think it's interesting the way the worm has kind of turned because you're right. I think it's almost a lesson in life. Like eventually the way you can tell if a person is good at their job or not is how well they take their first punch. Meaning Romo comes in out of the gate and is instantly lauded by everyone because of his natural virtues. He's charismatic. He's likable. He's naturally infectious. He's very enthusiastic. You know, he takes a sport in which you used to the likes of Phil Sims, who's about as bland and vanilla and boring as it gets. And you're bringing a guy who's much younger Again, who's handsome, charismatic, excited to be there. And that's like overwhelmingly positive. And you love it. You go, oh my, and he's smart. Like he's calling the plays before they happen. Hey, watch out for the right gym. Here he comes, blah, blah. But then you're right. It really has to lead into character now because that's all he does. And he does it every single time. Like, Tony, I'm hyped. I know. It's the Chiefs and the Bengals. You don't need to tell me how big a play this is. I'm watching the game too. You're going to give me something else. And I think after you take your first punch, after people say, hey, Romo, why don't you do some homework? Like, why don't you do a little more prep here rather than just relying on <laughs> yeah. his natural gift of being excited? And, you know, Brian Curtis really nailed it of the ringer. He said, you know, he broadcast like he was as a player. Like, as a player, he was very good, but he was never great. But why was he very good? Because he did have natural talent. He was good at improvising. He ad-libbed well. But he wasn't great because he felt like he never put in the homework. Like, Rumble was out with Jessica Simpson and Cabo and never really did all the work he should have needed to do. And thus... Yeah kind of stumbled. So it, it's amazing to me his broadcast career is kind of like his playing career. So if you go by that model, then Brady should be excellent because as a player, he was marginalized and underappreciated and thought he was going to be a guy, six-round pick in Michigan. 
and became the greatest quarterback of all time. So I would think as a broadcaster, Tom Brady strikes me as a little bit vanilla, kind of bland. Again, handsome, not going to say a whole lot, though. So I think he'll surprise me. I think he'll come out of there and go, wait, he's actually got some nuance, some polish. The real key is going to be this, when guys like that are critical, because they're used to being nice guys and being well-liked. If Tom Brady actually criticizes a guy for the first time, then you'll see, okay, he's actually being an analyst. That's why I think Chris Collinsworth is so good. Collinsworth was never a great player, right? Good receiver on the Bengals, but he's unafraid to rip a guy. If Tom Brady is unafraid to rip a guy, I'm not saying he's going to be evil about it, but just be pointed in his criticism, that's when you'll tell he's taking it seriously. And then you had to mention that name, and I know you work in American media, but I have to say this. Is there a luckier broadcaster in the world than than Jack Collinsworth with that job? (laughs) Well, like honestly, Adnan, like honestly, like Jack Collinsworth getting that gig. That guy oh, with wait, that it, gig? Well, it was amazing. I don't think I, think I was at Eddie still, but I remember they were like, hey, we hired Jack Collinsworth. I'm like, what? Like, the, like Chris's kid? He's like, yeah, he's a new NFL. I said, what is he? Is he still an embryo? Like, well, he's 21, 22, but he's, you know, he's really young, eager. And I don't even think he was at ESPN that long. Like, I, it was already a shock he was at ESPN. And from there, boom, Sunday night football on NBC. I'm like, that's the highest rate of program <laughs> in, in television America. right now. Yeah. <laughs> Right, and NBC, and NBC has become the place. I mean, if you are looking to make a splash and your father is famous, you're good to go. We got we got uh, Sims, we got Chris Sims, yeah. we got Jack Collinsworth, and they just tweeted earlier, NBC's got Big Ten college football. Guess who's doing play-by-play? Iron Eagles kid, Noah Eagle. <laughs> 25 years of age, he's doing college football for NBC. It's unbelievable. Again. Sims, Collinsworth, Eagle. Yeah, I haven't heard Noah Eagle yet, but I have heard a lot of Jack Collinsworth, uh, Adnan. And again, media, much like music and movies, very subjective. But uh, for all you uh, kids out there in broadcasting, working hard, uh, you'll never get the job Jack Collinsworth got. And you're probably better than he is right now (laughs) at what you're doing in school. But uh, that's okay. That's fine. And that is absolutely okay. Uh, Real quick, um, do you think we're at a point, just sticking on this broadcasting theme, I think we're at a point, Adnan, where with the amount of information that's available to fans and media, I think we we there's a thirst for more X's and O's mm. from the color commentator, especially in football. Like, John Madden was a lovable yeah. guy. Boom, hit him, whatever. That's fine. That's in the past now. I think we want to see more of the X's and O's and the thought process of the quarterbacks and why they did these specific things and coverages and blitzes and all of those things. I think fans want that now out of their football coverage. A hundred percent. And I think it's why Amazon hired a guy like Kirk Herbstreit. Of course, I know Herbie from my days at ESPN, not known as an NFL guy. He's done college game day for 20 plus years. And they go, wow, this guy's really good at just analyzing football. So it doesn't matter if it's college or NFL, he'll know how to do that. Now, I thought Al Michaels is pretty subdued and, you know, loudly complained about how bad the games were on Amazon. But if you watched, you saw Herbie was doing his job as a true analyst. Like, hey, dial up this, let me review this, watch up this play here. That's really what the analyst should be doing. And that's Really what makes them special is they can watch a play, and unlike you or I can go, look at what the right guard did. You go, what? I wasn't watching the right guard. I was watching the running back you know, run the ball for five yards. And instantaneously they can say, yeah, watch the replay. Here we go. He does this. This is the block, blah, blah, blah. Like, and the best ones can do that, like a Chris Collinsworth, like a Troy Aikman, like a Herb Street. And Romo doesn't really do that. Like He's great at predicting and forecasting, which is fun, and he's got hype. There's no doubt about that. But I'm with you. I, I need a little more. Like I need you to teach me something. Like I'm watching – I'm watching sports for two reasons. One is to be entertained, and two is to be taught something. 
You either do one or the other, right? Charles Barkley's not teaching me much about the game of basketball, but he's highly entertaining. He's going to make me laugh, him shacking yeah. Or yep. you go the other way, and you're going to be Greg Olson. Greg Olson's not entertaining, but hopefully he's teaching me something about football. You pick one or the other, and if you can do both, it's a home run. Uh, where does Jack Collinsworth fall in that uh, spectrum? <laughs> <laughs> Jack, Jack Collinsworth is just a doppelganger of his father. He's just a reminder about how <laughs> yeah. handsome his dad was when he was young. That's what he's right. there for. And is it annoying that he spells Jack J-A-C? Jeez. That even rubs me the a wrong way. Percent. Yeah, yeah I, w- I would completely defend him against all your charges of nepotism and yeah. saying he's not worthy of the game if he just spelled his name with a K. Yeah. Once I saw the J-A-C, I go, that's it. I'm completely Super out of it. Yeah. Forget it. You're done, bud. Yeah. Uh, hey, I want to ask, are you a big bowler? A bowler? Yeah, my boy George over here is a big bowler. Well, I like to bowl. I wouldn't not say not a big, big bowling bowler. Guy. But we yeah, want to ask you. I've never heard him phrase yeah. I've never heard it phrased that way. I think that's why I was taken aback. So much you like bowling. But yeah, well, yeah. I, I'm not a big bowler. Well, yeah. uh, I, don't th- I have bowled. Th- I bowl my kids occasionally. But I'm not a big bowler, no. Okay. Uh, because I think he wants to ask you a movie question about bowling. What? Well, but uh, uh, also, Maddie, maybe, yeah, maybe he thought you were talking about cricket uh, momentarily as a bowler in cricket. Is, no, that wasn't is that it what either. you thought, Adnan? Is, did you think that I was no, asking you about cricket? Is that what you thought? I was going in that direction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was listening to the pod yesterday, and uh, I love when you go over old movies that I've I've actually seen. And uh, the Big Lebowski happens to be the one one of them. Um, and the dude, man, it, it's something that just it, it latches on to people. It means a lot to people. Can you just tell me what this movie meant to you? Yeah, listen, 25th anniversary of the Big Lebowski, and you're right; it's an all-time great bowling movie. That in Kingpin. And I just think it's amazing when I go back and think about it. I saw it in 97, so it was my second year at Ryerson. And the year before, the Coen brothers had really made their splash on a major level. Like, they'd been these guys who made really quirky, fun movies that cinephiles love, but really hadn't broke through the mainstream. Then they make Fargo, which everyone admits is an instant classic. McDormand wins the Oscar for actress. William H. Macy becomes a known actor, gets nominated, and they win the Oscar for screenplay. So how do you follow it up? Well, let's make a two-hour movie, just a big shambling dog of a movie, about a guy who's like the laziest, ineffectual person who just likes to bowl and smoke weed and will cast Jeff Bridges as the dude and Buscemi's a silent guy and John Gibbons is angry guy. We've got Nihilus and Julianne Moore showing up in latex. And there's no way this film should work. And there's two musical sequences in it. And it does. And at the time, critics were kind of surprised. Like, eh. like it's got some funny moments, but it's kind of weird. Like, it's no Fargo. That was kind of a shorthand for it. And then over time, The Big Lebowski is enormously popular. Like, now... Jeff Bridges wins the Critics' Choice Award, Life of Achievement, last week. They're showing clips of his movie. This guy's won an Oscar for Crazy Heart, and all they kept showing was clips of Lebowski. Like, wherever he goes, it's just the dude to buy. It's amazing to me how funny that movie is and the lasting power of it. I always like movies, fellas, where you watch at the time you like it, and you watch it more and more, and it grows in stature over time. Now there's Big Lebowski reunions. People dress up like Sam Elliott. It's amazing. The dude abides. Yeah, to me, that's the Shawshank Redemption, because people liked it. Critics liked it, but it's grown into something a lot more over the years than it was originally, was it not? A hundred percent. Shawshank comes out, was a box office bomb, but was well-liked by critics. Got seven Oscar nominations, and it was up for Best Picture. Frank Darabont, well-recognized, the director. And then all of a sudden, you're right, once it hit home video and started being played weekly on TBS and TNT in the States, it was like, oh, my God, this is one of the greatest movies of all time. How does this not win Best Picture? How does this not win every Oscar possible? And it's about male friendship. It's about two men coming together late yep. in life. Like it's, it's amazing when that kind of avalanche occurs 
And you go, how did people not see this initially? And you're right. It's not that it was bad. No, people liked it. But then they love it over time. I, you know, you, you talked about the cast and it, John Goodman, Steve Buscemi, John Turturro's outstanding and is kind of a, a minor yeah. role. But I, it, it made me think about movies that have uh, an all-star cast, but maybe before the cast were actually all-stars. Like, is there a movie that comes to mind of a group of outstanding actors that were all on a film together that hadn't hit the big day yet, but now down the road we look at it and say, wow, look at them all together. What a crazy little uh, occurrence this was. Well, I think Boogie Nights is one of those. It's just an all-time cast because that, you know, that was Mark Wahlberg's coming out party, and he's become obviously a movie star since then. Julianne Moore is now an Academy Award winner. Philip Seymour Hoffman, I had no idea who he was. He plays yeah. the role of Scotty. The, uh, the boom operator who's yeah. hysterical. He wins an Academy Award. Don Cheadle, I think people kind of knew, but again, he became a bigger star after that movie came out. John C. Riley was completely unknown, became yeah. one of the great comedic forces of his generation. So uh, to me, I look at Boogie Nights and I go, all right, everyone knew Burt Reynolds. He's the guy from Smokey and the Bandit and Deliverance and all the rest of it. But the rest of these guys, a lot of unknowns, and a lot of those guys became massive stars, crazy cast. Um, Adnan Verk, um, MLB NHL Network in the Cinephile Podcast on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. Adnan, before you go, we have a little special gift for you. <laughs> Playing you with this. Oh, All right, Adnan, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for this. I just closed my eyes and I saw a man with horns grinning at <laughs> the end of the year. You're getting poked with something on fire. <laughs> Take me, Beazelbub. <laughs> All right, Adnan, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for this. Oh, mercy. Thank you, boy. Yeah, all right, <laughs> leave this on, uh, GVP. Uh, there you go, Adnan Verk on the Atlas Ooh, Pizza and Sports night. Bar guest hotline. Um, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. Straight ahead, Uncle Timmy, host of Tim and Friends. Tim McAuliffe will join us. And we're still taking your text messages at 960-960. What song would be your personal H-E double hockey sticks for the rest of eternity? We'll get Maddie Roses. We'll get Patrick Dumont. We'll do all of that next. It's the Big Show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960. The fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. the big show russick and rose sportsnet 960 the fan live from doug lacy's basement systems downtown studio at the top of the hour nhl senior writer at espn greg wasinski down he's an fla for the national hockey league nhl all-star game and we'll visit again with lou after he was stood up not once but twice on the radio station we felt bad we'll have our man lou on at uh, 8 30 to wrap up uh the week um did a show earlier uh, did a story earlier on in the show about a uh, Michigan priest who passed away and unfortunately went to H-E double hockey sticks for a short period of time. Yeah, we believe it. And he said he heard Rihanna's umbrella and Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy being used as instruments for torture. And we asked you what song will be your personal H-E double hockey sticks for the rest of eternity. Uh, mine shut up and dance by Walk the Moon. Adnan said Lips of an Angel by Hinder with arms, and uh, with arms wide open by Creed. Uh, this one's a popular one, too, uh, Sweet Caroline. Our next guest right now, he's the host of Tim and Friends on Sportsnet. Weekdays at 3 p.m. Calgary time, we say uh, good morning to Tim McAuliffe. Timmy, how are you? <laughs> well, 
what is going on? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know what, Timmy? I've been I've been sitting on this story since Wednesday, and I wanted to do it Wednesday. And Tom Brady retired, and I go, this kicker is way too good. So a Michigan priest apparently died of a heart attack. Thought he did good in life, not good enough. Went to quote the middle of the earth, and then umbrella by Rihanna and Bobby McFerrin's "Don't Worry, Be Happy" were used as tools of torture. What poor, is the song? Bobby McFerrin. Yeah, like, I know. What did he do? He, did yeah, a song he just wants to be happy. happy. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, it's a good message. Don't worry, yeah. be happy. What is the yeah. song uh, that would be your personal he double hockey sticks for the rest of eternity? Yeah. I think I speak for a lot of dads uh, when I say the Daddy Shark song uh, mm. should go to hell. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting that a yeah. lot too. Yeah, I, I, I assume that would have been a popular answer among those with uh, with younger children. Like, if- uh, and it was another one of those ones where like it started kind of sort of happy and fun. Hey, look, baseball players are doing like a kid song. It's all fun and games. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like if, how, if, how many times, though, like in the height that it was being played at the McAuliffe household, how many times did you hear that a day? Um, but it was like, it, it wasn't just the playing. When I would say like we would get to, you know, like uh, somewhere between 25 and, and 63. Um, I know those are random numbers, but whatever, it's early in the morning. Um, I, I would, it was the, like, it was the humming and then catching yourself. Like, I think that's the worst part is when you catch yourself. Yeah. Like it earworms you, and you're like, "Daddy Shark did." Oh, what am I doing? Like that's the worst song. I think that's what Sweet Caroline does to a lot of people, right? Like, I heard it coming back from break, and in my head, I'm just like, "Dun dun dun." dun. It's just the earworm factor of a terrible song, and I think that that uh, that this age of TikTok has completely and utterly exploited that and made it even worse. So there's a lot of new songs that suck, but whatever. Um, uh, two things really quickly on Sweet Caroline. Yep. Number one, do people actually know what it's about? And number two, only the Red Sox should play that, right? And not any other yeah. stadium or arena? Yeah. Nobody steal it. Yeah, nobody else steal it. I remember the, my, the, when Neil Diamond went out, <laughs> the video of him going out and singing it at Fenway and like not knowing the lyrics to his own song. <laughs> it's, it's worth replaying. It's really really good um i just yeah I, no one should play it outside and i have no idea so if you can explain to me what sweet caroline's actually so, about i don't um it's about when uh caroline kennedy as a young girl was on a horse on a on a cover of a magazine right and it, when you actually listen to the lyrics and then you know what it's about you're like this song is a creep fest creepy. right now yeah really creepy yeah you're yeah. welcome, Timmy. He learned something jumping on the radio uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. on a Friday. Ruin stuff with the truth again. Yeah, sorry. Go, <laughs> sorry. Um, speaking of the truth, uh, how much is truth Gary Bettman going to spit in his annual oh. State of the Union address today? What a segue. That, uh, that's a real interesting one for me. Like, I've been saying this on the show for the last little while, and no one's really, like, nobody, I, I thought it would be controversial. I thought it would be, like, you know, get some engagement as the kids say. Um, and I thought that this is like real pressure on Gary Bettman for the first time in, in a while. Like a lot of other leagues have kind of sort of flung past or way past or lapped the NHL. And I watched this MLS deal with Apple TV 
And I wondered if the MLS has actually passed the NHL now in um, in the United States of America, uh, at least. Um, and I wondered, like, there's got to be owners starting to look at Gary and say, like, listen, this was, and this was my argument the entire time, was, oh, look, the rights fees are going up. Like, if you had a sat on your fat patootie for, like, five years and did nothing, this was the time when rights fees went up. This is when the time, like, Sports has been the greatest investment in the last two decades. And kind of Gary's hung his hat on that. And I wonder if people don't start asking some real hard questions of Gary Bettman. I don't know if it's this year. I don't know if we're there yet. But I guarantee you in the next couple of years, Gary Bettman is going to get some real tough questions about why the NHL hasn't grown like the rest of the pro leagues. Because if you did it by percentage, I mean, like just look at the salaries, right? Like, the salaries are a percentage of what leagues make. And I don't know, Gary Trent Jr. is talking about a $25 million a year salary. Like, Gary Trent Jr. And here we have, you know, Connor McDavid has to feel guilty about what his number is because, you know, he's over $10 million. It's been wild to watch, and and I think that one of the things that we've been discussing is, you know, on top of that, you've got Valley Sports, which we don't know what the future is down in the U.S. You have this recent story that the the numbers are tanking in the U.S. uh, for ESPN, TNT on their national broadcast and stuff like that. Like, you you mentioned a few years away. Like, does it feel like it could inevitably be even sooner than that? Oh, yeah, I, I do. I just don't know that today we get this, Matt. Like that, what, yeah, I'm, yeah. what I'm saying is I don't know. Like, I think that we're at that point. I think that that's, you know, this the ratings idea. Um, like, I would love to know what, outside of the NFL, because that's always a powerhouse, and Amazon can make up whatever numbers the hell they want. Um, so I don't know if we'll ever get the truth from <laughs> the NFL on that, which is the beauty of streamers, right? Like, yeah. hey, what are the streams doing? I don't know. Let's pick a number that makes us look good. Um, so, so outside outside of those, like that, NFL is just a beast. It's above everybody else. And, you know, every year, for those who don't know, like the top 10 broadcasts in the United States, they're all NFL games. Like every single one of them is an NFL game. And maybe a college football game busts in there. So they're the powerhouse. But outside of that, I feel like, you know, cord cutting, all these things that are affecting our business uh, across Canada and the United States also affects the pro leagues and they've kind of acted like they're immune, but like this whole Bali story, as you say, Matt, like I, that's a huge part of this. Um, you know, the 22%, I think was the number from the States that, that, yep. that's gone down. Um, what's, what's that number in uh, basketball? You know, what's that number in baseball? I feel like they would all be similar um, so I don't know what that story is, but without a doubt, this Bally is going to expedite, just like the pandemic expedited a lot of things in our business. I feel like this Bally story where a bunch of teams might start looking at, uh, taking control and streaming their own games or mm. maybe doing a pay-per-view, although we've seen that before in, <laughs> in Canada, oh, yeah. um, a, a pay-per-view per game. Like it, it may re like necessity is the father of invention, or someone told me something like that somewhere. A mother of invention. I don't know which gender it is, but I'll stay away from that. So either way, we're gonna get some invention here. 
And it'll be really interesting to see which way it goes. The crazy thing about it all is like, we're separating all these things and we're, everyone's got like a streaming service. I literally have beside me right now on my desk, I wrote down all of my monthly subs, what I'm paying for all of my subscriptions Mm -hmm. to figure out what I need to get rid of and keep and all. And eventually we're all just going to end up with cable. Like we're almost already there where we're paying the same amount of money for all of our subs right. that we did for the cable that we acted like we were going to cut, or at least a generation acted like we were going to cut. Uh, especially with Netflix saying, uh, yeah, sorry, no more sharing passwords. Uh, we're going to crack down on that bad boy because uh, we're losing money. Um, Tim McAuliffe, host of Tim and Friends, uh, weekdays, 3 p.m. Calgary time on Sportsnet. Uh Timmy got to ask you about the uh Toronto Raptors uh real quick. Like I what's the direction right now of the team? Do they want to get into the play-in? Um Fred and Gary Trent Jr. expiring deals, are they out the door? Is Scotty Barnes the only untouchable on this roster? What do you think the direction is? And I know a very popular saying on your show and even when uh, you were with Sid was trust in Masai. I believe in Masai. Uh, I do because I still think it's the smartest front office in this country. But it's kind of funky that we don't really know as of right now what the direction is of the franchise because it's it's kind of frustrating because clearly this isn't the team that can even do some damage in the playoffs seemingly. Here's here's where the Raptors lie. And all of what you said is is basically true. And I would agree with you that I think that Masai and Bobby Webster might be the smartest front office in all of Canada. But they're in this rare position where they're not good, yet their stars are really highly thought of and valued. And what that does, and any team that's ever been like, it doesn't have to be the Raptors for you to understand this, but any team that's ever been in that spot has to make a hard decision on whether or not they're going to maximize the window where that's available because either you get better or you minimize your stars. And the, 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 the real interesting part of this is that Masai pulled off like the biggest stones deal that I've seen in a long time in this country when he dealt DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard. And, he's, and, he, and he was rewarded with the championship for it. So the, the beauty of this is the trepidation, the, the the not knowing all around the league about what the Raptors are going to do is because they're in this very rare position of having highly valued stars and being caca. And that's where they're at right now. And there's no, like, there's no second guessing. So if they get their numbers on these guys, like, I, I'm not going to be shocked if we see multiple players moved in a scramble drill on Tim and friends as we try and figure out what the hell just happened. What was the scramble drill like the day that Tom Brady retired? Uh, first time, second time. <laughs> the one that was this week. <laughs> first time was a huge scramble drill. Second time was like, shut up. <laughs> I, I, it was a completely different story the second time. And listen, I love Tom Brady. He's the goat. I'm not trying to disrespect him in any shape, way, shape, or form. Even though I said shut up, but it was just like we've already done your, we've already done your, your, you're the greatest. We love you. I can't believe what you've done, and you did it in two different places. Like we, we, we already did all that, and 
the, the lingering question is, and I even heard Tom Curran, who covered him in, in the Boston area, say, like, well, I'm not sure what he'll do after the year off, but I can guarantee you he's going to take a year off. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, just, I don't understand why and, and you know, why he can't just walk peacefully into the sunset with seven rings and a pitcher that everyone used of him holding up his seven rings in his face. Like, he's got the Bill Russell pitcher. Like, that is, nobody can top that, nor will anyone probably top that. So why not just walk quietly into the night with your head held high on a great career and into a 10-year, $375 million deal to go broadcast? That, all, all of that, to me, makes me feel like the second time I can, I can comfortably sit back and say, meh, like I'm, I'm good with where you were, I'm good with where you are, and you know, hopefully you can get there too. But there seems to be a little thirst trap element to Tom Brady, and, a lot, and to be fair, a lot of pro athletes these days. Well, and I guess kind of in that vein, I, I might be nitpicking here, but I was kind of disappointed. This is a guy who's produced some of his best hype videos for social media, and we get a selfie camera for this? Like, are you kidding me? Come yeah. on. Beach from the beach? Yeah. What's that? Yeah. I wasn't impressed. No, I yeah, I expected more, especially if you're going to go get paid. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if you guys get uh, thirty-seven and a half million dollars a year, I, but I don't get that. It's close. Real Did you close. say thirty-seven and a half dollars a year or million dollars? <laughs> yeah, it feels more like it. Yeah, I shouldn't laugh at that. Yeah, yeah that all actually hurts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, ha, ha, we all made wrong decisions. Irreparable damage. I have to get your take on this, and I feel kind of bad that I was ripping Jack um, Jack Collinsworth with Adnan Verk. But I, I can't help it, Timmy, because you're a guy you work in me and he follow. Is there a guy who's worse at his job who's got a higher profile job than Jack Collinsworth? Oh my goodness <laughs> gracious. Uh, is like, there, you, like, just sorry, Timmy, just I, real quick. Could you imagine for you're a young broadcaster who's up and coming and you're really good at your job, oh, and then I you know, look at I Jack know. Collinsworth in one of the most high profile gigs in the in the entire world, and you're like, I can never be that guy, even though that guy is as plain as steamed white rice. <laughs> yeah, not even, no, not even any soy sauce to be seen. No, sauce, yeah, not even any soy sauce to be seen. Yeah, uh, that's that's. I'm gonna have to think. Can I tweet into the show when I come up with an answer for that? Because it's a wonderful question that yeah. I feel like I won't do near enough justice. Yeah, someone, someone who doesn't deserve anywhere close to where they are. Like, <laughs> yeah, and again, I mean, it sounds have, harsh. It sounds yeah. harsh. But like, yeah. how, like the, it's not like that guy cut his teeth in smaller markets for a long time. He went from ESPN no. to Sunday Night Freaking Football, the number one show on television in North America. Do, does he have like a a relative that works anywhere? <laughs> yeah, that, maybe. I, I, I don't. By the way, the immediate answer that came to me was like a prime minister and a bunch of premiers. But I, I'll just leave that on the, on the floor <laughs> yeah. for now. We don't have to go there. Yeah, I'm at both sides of the fence, too, by the way. Uh, all sides of the fence. Whatever side of the fence. Sure. Yeah. Um, Down the yeah. middle is the best place to be. But uh, when it comes to Jack Collinsworth and his broadcasting ability, I'm not. not. I'm not. No, yeah, it's, it's not just there. bad. Yeah, yeah. It's bad. Where's and that the guy should the guy should wake up every day and go, thanks, Dad. Like, he should wake up and call his dad every morning and go, thanks, Dad, for the gig. I don't even think he's that bad, by the way. I, don't, I, I disagree. 
Okay, but what's more annoying, and I asked this to Adnan, he, like, he doesn't spell his name with a K. It's J-A-C. And that just rubs me the wrong way. I don't know why I'm crushing Jack Collins yeah, so much today. <laughs> what's happening? Yeah, I, I was actually thinking, like, uh, do people call Jacob Peltier Jack Peltier? <laughs> no, they nope. don't. Nope. No, they don't. Uh, I, yeah, because, like, I was, I, you know, like, listen, it's, it's uh, I, I think that in his past, people have called Jacob Pelche, Jack Pelche, and it's the short form of Jacob. So is Collinsworth actually Jacob Collinsworth? No, I think it's Jack, J-A-C, because Chris spells his name weird, too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) uh, for your information, uh, Pelche's nickname with the team, Pelch. Mm -hmm. Pelch. Good. Shocking. Quality hockey nickname. Yeah. (laughs) Is a quality hockey yeah. game. We have a problem in yeah. that game. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. yeah, they got the whole Mensa group together uh, and came up yeah. with that one. Um, thanks, Rosie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Uh, Tim McAuliffe, host contribute. of uh, Tim and Friends, three p.m. Calgary time, Monday to Friday. Uh, Timmy, great for this. And I just want to apologize to Jack to Collinsworth. Sorry. Yeah, Rusty. Okay. Rosie, yeah. Those are my hockey nicknames for yeah, you guys. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. All right, okay. Timmy, we'll do it again soon. Thanks, pal. <laughs> Pretty good, guys. Uh, there's Bobby Tim- Calgary. Okay, there you go. Uh, there's Tim McAuliffe on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. At the top of the hour, Greg Wyshynski, NHL senior writer at ESPN. Uh, what would be your personal HE double hockey sticks for the rest of eternity? 960-960, name and location. Uh, more pucks with Greg Wyshynski, straight ahead NHL senior writer at ESPN. And Peter Labardius, because uh, we felt bad for Lou, because he was stood up twice yesterday, and we're going to talk to him and get his thoughts on what happened Really just yesterday. once, but yeah. I, I, well, he wasn't on the air yesterday when he was supposed to be. Yeah, we'll talk to Lou yeah. at 8.30. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.